Welcome to the New Life Digging Deeper podcast, where we take Sunday sermons a step further, giving you the opportunity to gain greater understanding and ultimately grow your relationship with Jesus. Hey everyone, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to help you grow your relationship with Jesus. And we just came off of week three in our sermon series, Reconciled. Um, Pastor Brian is fully reconciled with his furnace now. It has <laughs> been to some degree, renewed. Yes. <laughs> there is there is a new furnace, totally new. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy for you, man. I'm so happy. What, how old did you say it was? 45 years old. The old one was 45. <laughs> so crazy. It's amazing uh, it lasted that long. It would be interesting to see the technological advances yeah, from right? that to now. Like now you can like set schedules <laughs> on it and from yep. your phone and app and I know I'm able to do that now. I have a thermostat where I can do all that stuff, which is crazy. Wow. <laughs> well, we're very thankful that <laughs> Brian had been using that as his sermon illustration for a while here because yeah. it just hadn't gone the way that he wanted working with mm-hmm. insurance and things. So it was actually a pretty cool um, picture for us to see reconciliation kind of <laughs> working out. So we've been joking around about it, but <laughs> he is good to go and they're ready for summer and uh, yes. winter too. So yeah, it'll be nice to have. Well, we've been using the heat a little bit and be good to use the air conditioner too. Yeah, yeah. I felt so bad for you guys had to use your fireplace. I you know, know right? you had to get wood and burn fires. <laughs> I was pretty jealous actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, yeah, we're in this Reconciled Sermon series, and um, we've been talking about a couple different aspects of being a reconciled person, and uh, one of the pieces that we used is the who, and that is what week three was. So why do you feel the who is so important, and what am I even saying by that? Yeah, yeah. So so far what we've covered, we, we started out week one, why, why should we reconcile, and and exploring the the reasoning for that last week or the week before was was what what is reconciliation what is it not and and this week we got to who which might be a little bit of a, a weird question um but i think the reason is so often we can go through the motions we can like do the process or do the right things and not actually pursue true reconciliation because we are just going through the motions mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um for me as we were studying this as we were having conversations um, I felt that that burden of character, of heart, of who are we on the inside, um, and and letting that come out. Because again, like Jesus, he uses this image like uh, you will know a tree by its fruit. Um, you, you just look at the the what's produced truly, not just kind of what's manufactured, but what's mm. truly produced. I think that's true. And like um, you know, Proverbs from from the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, I think Jesus says that too. Like it's what comes out of us is what's at the core of our character, core of our being. And when push comes to shove, what comes out will be who we are. So can we form, be formed in, in the way of Jesus? Can we be formed to be like him so that when push comes to shove, we are still pursuing the kinds of things that he wants us to be like. So to me, it is about character. Um, and, and oftentimes it's really hard when we're in the middle of a conflict to be at our best. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're gonna, we're not gonna be, uh, sharp. We're not gonna be uh, on our game more often. We're emotional. And so who are we at the core of our being? Let's let that come out even when we're not at our best. So to me, that's why this is so important. The who question, if we start there before we try to get to how we're going to go so much farther with it. 
it's really important for us to see that others aren't in their best in those times too. Um, And you said about giving people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times you're holding on to these things that somebody said or an action that they had made when the reality is like, they're not really in their best spot right now. Mm -hmm. And that's not who they are, who God's called them to be. Um, And the enemy wants to tell us, no, that's exactly, you know, who (laughs) they are. And that's exactly how they think about you and run all the scenarios in your head. So it is super important for us to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, having that kind of mindset, uh, it's, it's really hard to choose that. Like, Mm -hmm. how do we give people the benefit of doubt? Well, sometimes it's, it, it doesn't come naturally because we're not feeling that in the moment. And so what are we drawing on? Well, I think it's the deep work that the spirit of God does in our hearts over time that allows us to get to that place where we can give someone the benefit of the doubt and, and see them as God sees them because we aren't naturally bent to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think the who is really important. If we want to do the how well, let's be those certain kinds of people who do it. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, for me, you were helping me work through a couple of days ago just with me and managing responsibilities. Mm, yeah. And for me, it was, okay, now I'm hearing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But you were kind of saying you need to be a person who just understands that, like, you aren't responsible for all these things. And, yeah. like, God can handle that. Yes. And versus me trying to manipulate and figure and continually mm-hmm. manage. Yep. And so... Yeah, the do side is if we allow God to come in and work in that situation, how much more powerful that's going to be and how much more peace we're going to and rest we'll feel in those moments. Yeah, yeah. And that that's the part of the good work that God's doing on a continual basis. It, it is, it's in these um, along the way kinds of things. It doesn't have to be a huge major kind of event or whatever. It cer- certainly can be, but it is sometimes in the more... Oh, I just, I've got a lot of responsibilities on my plate and how do I learn from Mm -hmm. that too? So I think that's, yeah, I think that's good. It's so good. Yeah. So you said we're going to get to the how. Yep. We started with the what. We started with the why and then went to what and covered who. Okay. Yep. Yep. So that's this, this last week, this last Sunday was who. What's the kind of Everyone wants the how. Everyone wants the how. Everybody wants the how and wants to know what the quick fix is. Mm -hmm. And that's what culture tells us. And you can have it and you can have it now. And so everyone wants that. Um, I think a good image I've always heard is I feel like this is a Kirk Bodyism. Yeah, yeah. Where he's talking about, you know, are we ready, aim, fire kind of people? Yes. And we're t- we're aiming, we're aiming. Sometimes yeah. people aim for way, way too long. Sure. Yeah. But a lot of times we just want to fire. We yeah. don't even really yeah. want to aim. We don't want to do right. any of those things. Yep. What is the importance? I mean, I know you're going to push towards patience. Sure. But what is some of the work you see being done mm. in making sure we do have the what and the why? Yeah. Um, I think it is continually coming back to Christ, coming back to Jesus and, and learning what is he like, how is he with people, um, and, and paying attention to the kind of life that he models and is building in the kingdom. And that helps us to continue to know what is the what really look like. Um, and we, we want to keep pursuing the things that he's calling us to do and, and, and keep pursuing that kind of life. So uh, I think, yeah, looking at, at that sort of thing, looking at Jesus and, and looking at the life that he's wanting to call us to allows us to understand more and more when when something's healthy or when it's not. When there are conflict, when there's conflict, like how do I see this the way God sees it? Um, it, it, it takes time and it takes wisdom to be able to recognize things for what they are. Um, sometimes something may bother us, like we feel like we're in conflict, but then if we step back, it's like, actually, it's not as big of a deal as it feels like. doesn't mean we don't still work at, 
mm-hmm. something, but it just allows us to, I guess, engage in reality, the way things actually are in a better way. And it also allows us to see things that maybe we didn't think were a problem in the past. Now that they actually are, it's like, oh, this isn't okay. I need to address this. I need to be like stewarding this because this isn't the way God wants life to be. Um, so I think it, uh, looking at Jesus, looking at the kind of life he's calling us to, the kind of life he's building in the kingdom, that allows us to understand more fully what we're to replicate and, and to be like in our relationships, in our lives mm-hmm. individually. Um, so I don't know if that quite answers the question, but that, mm-hmm. that was kind of what stirred in my head as you were, as you were asking it. Um, it is cultivating the fruit of the spirit. It's cultivating, um, his character inside of us. So you mentioned patience, like, yes, we, we will be more patient because he is, and he wants that for us. And we're to bring that to bear in our, in our relationships too. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my reaction, my thought on that. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny this morning when I was on the old social medias, um, <laughs> cause I'm targeted for everything and anything church and <laughs> all the different things, but it was a t-shirt. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it kind of says like patience is not, um, laziness or mm. it was saying oh, patience sure. is power. Uh, and I was like, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really is like, yes. as we really sit and we rest in the Lord, like mm-hmm. we allow the Holy spirit to work versus us on our own volition and our own yep. might trying to go after something Yeah, more times than not, <laughs> it goes a lot better <laughs> if we, and that doesn't mean it's not weakness. I think that's what it's saying. Patience mm. isn't weak, a weakness. Yes. You know, kind of it's thing. not, it's not, um, at least not truly in the sense it is a, is it a releasing, in some ways, like we're, we're trusting God with outcomes in our patience. Um, but it's not, that is, that is a moment of power because it's actually operating the way God has designed the world. He's the one in charge. Mm-hmm. He's the creator. Mm-hmm. He's King. And he's got all this. We don't. And patience is living in that. It's embodying that. It's a that verb. Trust. It is. It is. <laughs> it's a verb. It's being patient. We, we, yes. yeah. Yes. So we need a sermon series on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Coming up, right? <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. It's like their vision statement. Be patient. <laughs> be patient. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> so, um, so you called us to cultivate two characteristics um, mm-hmm. in rec- pursuing reconciliation. Um, one was humility and other-centeredness. And Philippians 2, 2 through 11 really painted that really well. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. It says, Mm -hmm. then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Hmm. What a beautiful picture. Um, I want to sit on four, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Yeah. And so as I was kind of contemplating the question, I really wonder as corporate church, have we done a good job of that? Mm. Like overall. Yeah. And this isn't a moment to say, this is what I think and they're bad and we got it now, figure it out. Right. But just an awareness that can help us filter through anything in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think the the corporate church, the the American church, even the global church. Um, I guess I can't speak for uh, international. My experience is limited there, but I think the church, um, in some ways, we do a great job of standing out. In other ways, we don't. 
And I think this one hmm. potentially is one in which we don't always do the best job. Um, for me, the language of like preferences comes up or, or uh, you know, like this is, this is what's owed to me or this is my right or whatever. And um, I think sometimes we, we hold on to that, especially as Americans, because that's what we're, as, mm-hmm. as Americans, we're, we're almost trained in that. Like that's what we're brought up in. We're fed that message. Um, have it your way. Have it now. Um, the American dream is building what you want and all that kind of stuff. And I think sometimes we still operate with that, even in, in our church context. And so, yeah, I think the American church hasn't done great with that. We, we prize our preferences. I mean, the worship wars from 20, 30, 40 years ago is a great example. Um, it it was, it really came down to preference. There's obviously some merit in, in some of the, the foundational things within it. Sure. But, um, it really, it really just fundamentally was a question of preference. And can I lay down my preferences for the person sitting next to me? Because maybe they prefer that. And so the act of Jesus, what he himself did is he took his preferences, his privilege, his power. He took his status. He took all of his identity and said, I'm going to leverage it for somebody else. I'm going to mm-hmm. leverage it for my people, for the, the ones that I love. Can we do the same thing? Can we defer to our brothers and sisters and, and defer to sometimes the, the people around us in our preferences when things that maybe really don't matter in the long run, can we, can we lay those down for their benefit, for their sake? I mean, that's part of the reason why we have our tagline the way that we do. It's through him for others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can we see our, see our preferences, see the things that we would choose, the things that we like, um, and leverage that for the sake of other people. I mean, simple things we could do. It's like, I like to sit in my seat every, every week, but someone else is sitting there. It's like, that's okay. Like I'll sit somewhere else because maybe they're a guest. They don't know. Like, can I, can I lay down what I would prefer? I also, I'd love for our church, like both new life, but then the American church, can we be the kinds of people that park farther away? Like I'm going to give the good close spots to those who need it. Um, you know, if you're capable of, of walking well and all that stuff, some people, they, they need to be close cause it's hard for them to, to walk on us. That's fine. But can we be the kinds of people who don't put me first, put my preferences, my wants, my desires over other people can I actually lay those down. Um, that's exactly what Paul is calling us to do in Philippians. That's what Jesus modeled. And he did it to the greatest extent. I mean, he's king, he, he's creator, he's ruler, and he takes all of that and he becomes like us and he dies for us. Like, he, he humbled himself mm-hmm. in the truest sense. And yeah, can we, can we embody that? Yeah. yeah, I've heard it said, like when you're looking at those two things, you could say, is this personal preference mm. or is this a spiritual conviction? Mm-hmm. And more times than not, yep. it's personal preference. Yep. Um, yep. I was convicted a little bit when we had our missionaries the other day spoke and yeah. talked about mm-hmm. how um, God has worshipped in a lot of different ways all over yeah. the world. Yeah, And sometimes being on the worship side of things, I'm constantly like, okay, what's right and what's wrong? And like, how should we move these things and mm. play these things? Like if you're worshiping God and like, that's true and authentic, yeah. like he's for it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have to try to spend so much time and what a distraction that can mm. be trying to figure out what's the incorrect way mm. to be doing something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And sometimes there's, there's the wisdom to know when is something preference and not, but I think, uh, we've made many things more about preference. And yeah, I love Kevin and Miriam 
they 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 come from the outside of our our cultural um, position here, and they can offer their experience yeah. and say, "Hey, this is what like in Kenya and other places we've seen," and it just opens our eyes to see the bigger reality that's right. going on around us. Yeah, right. yeah. Because if some of them came into our context and saw all the different denominations and yeah. Morton, oh gosh, and as a whole saw how we worship, they'd be like, "Oh, it's pretty much the same." Yeah, you know. Yep. But to yep. us, it's like, no, it's very different. <laughs> you know, we don't do this yeah, and we don't do that. Right. That's right. Um, I think the reason I kind of wanted to ask that question is if we're to be one as a body, mm-hmm. if we hold this posture and carry these sorts of things in this sort of way, we're going to be able to stay reconciled with each other mm-hmm. in a much better... I mean, I don't yes. want to get into like why we have all these denominations yeah, and all no, that no, kind no. of stuff, yeah. but at the yeah. same time, yeah. um, we've made things much more difficult for ourselves than they need to be. Yep, yep. And there, you know, again, there are some things to we need to have um, really solid conversations and, and maybe just come down to disagreeing and, and that's okay. But so often I think we make mountains out of molehills or we're looking to what is wrong and not what is right. Yeah. I think that's something mm-hmm. that we can all be really guilty of. It's easier to talk about, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I think that this should be happening versus I'm thankful for this thing that is happening. Right. Exactly. And, and one of the things that I noticed too about the humility, other centered kind of idea is oftentimes the opposite when we're selfish, like maybe we'll do the exact same thing, but fundamentally when push comes to shove, what's going to win out? Like if we're, Mm. if we're in reconciliation or, or some of these other conversation pieces, if we're in that and our ultimate goal or the core thing, the last thing that's going to stand is what I want. Then when anything that comes into conflict with that, it's going to lose because I want to, I want what I want or my selfishness or whatever versus being humble and other centered. We're going to think, what does the other person need? What's best here? And what will win out when push comes to shove is the relationship. Mm-hmm. I think some of the language that has been helpful for me is like, do I care about, um, being right or relating rightly? Do I care about winning the argument or winning yeah. the relationship? Yeah. And so often I think deep down we choose for me, we choose to win the argument. We choose to be right. We we want to come out on top, and we're going to lose the relationship in that in that mm-hmm. context. Because again, when push comes to shove, what's going to win? It's going to be the thing we're clinging to most. So humility and other centeredness. When we choose that, when we cultivate that, when we actually live in that, we are going to choose that thing to win out, mm-hmm. even if it means denying myself. Um, and I think that's the posture we're to have. Um, and that's hard to do, but I think it, 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 sh- it really does change reality for us. Yeah, yeah, it is hard to do. And that's why we, we pray before we go into this, we say, God help me. <laughs> Amen. Yep. Because I for yep. sure cannot do this, mm-hmm. you know, from my, my humanness. And yeah. that's something I process through a lot. And when I'm going into difficult conversations that I'm sitting and saying, God, you know, I can't do this. I need your help. But then I'm thinking about what's going to happen on the other side of this conversation. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So often we get kind of focused on the Mm -hmm. thing. We can't see past it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great image. I love that. Uh, You talked about kids and how they, (laughs) how they ask for forgiveness and how their apologies work. And kids are just a great case study for just emotions and how they handle things because mm-hmm. they do it so outwardly. Yep, totally, <laughs> totally. You're, the, yes. Yeah, the funny <laughs> thing is like human uh, adults, we don't do it as outwardly, but like if you could mm-hmm. see our expression in our faces, mm-hmm. it's just as bad. That's right. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> but 
I guess my question for you is since as adults, sometimes we can do it outwardly well, mm-hmm. but what actually yep. needs to happen on the inside for us to have true, be true in our apology and yep. true in asking for forgiveness to be reconciled with someone. Like what's some things that are happening on the heart level for someone mm-hmm. who is truly reconciled? Yeah. Yeah. There's some measure that it's an intangible kind of thing. Like I think, I, I think back to either times or I've not given the right kind of apology. It's been half hearted or, or going through the motions. Um, again, I said all the right things, but mm-hmm. I could just feel it. The other person could just feel it or vice versa. If someone's apologizing to me and you know, you just, you kind of walk away from the conversation. Like, I don't feel like that was quite it. There's a little bit of that intangibleness, but I think some of the indicators that outwardly we might see might keyword there. Um, like the apology should actually own the damage and the, 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 the hurt, the act, it should own it. I think so often you'll, especially maybe in like our, our day and age, you, you hear a lot of apologizing going on in our culture right now. It is interesting that, um, you often hear if statements in an apology. Oh, if, if I hurt you, I'm sorry. Or if that was taken that way, I'm sorry. You'll hear some of those if statements and, um, that's almost either minimizing or sidestepping in mm-hmm. some ways. And I don't know. I've done that. Like, oh, if if I hurt your feelings, I'm so sorry. And I might because I clearly that. didn't. Because <laughs> yeah. I clearly didn't. But that's that's what's implied there. Like yeah. that if conditional kind of thing creates this environment in which it's still in question. And that's not that's not a healthy apology. Like if you've had a good conversation. And you've been able to like articulate both sides, like here's where hurt is and that's been acknowledged, then it should manifest in the apology. So no ifs, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that Mm -hmm. I did this that caused you pain. Um, Those are the kinds of apologies that are more real and not going through the motions. So I think like avoiding those, those conditional if statements or if I hurt you or if it sounded this way. Uh, again, I still sometimes do that and I got to check myself, but yeah, apologies that gaslight or minimize, those are not, those are not helpful, true apologies. They, they're, they're going through the motions. I'm apologizing. I'm saying, I'm sorry. It's the kid saying, I'm sorry. That's what's happening there. I think so much in the, Uh, so are you, are you saying that it's not good to give disclaimers in your apology? I would say that shouldn't come in the apology. I mean, again, if you're if you're having to disclaim or, or or make caveats, then I don't know that you've really worked through it yet, and or you, you as the the offender isn't owning really what's taking place there. So yeah, I think a true apology is like I'm sorry that I did this. Okay, let's do a case study. Okay, go for it. <laughs> it's Jess's birthday today. Uh huh. Which when is we're, true. When we're recording this, it's her birthday. Yes, yep, it is right. her birthday. Yep. And. She told you last week, you know, we've been through a lot. Don't even worry about getting me a present. You know, we're Mm -hmm. going to Italy in a few weeks. Like, that's more than enough of a present for me. So then you go, okay. I sure hope so. Great. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Because you're backing on this actually Uh not being a case study. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And then her birthday comes, and Mm -hmm. the day ends, and you're like, how was your day? And she just really lets you know, it really hurt me that you didn't get me a gift. Yeah, yeah. I hope she wouldn't tell me, don't give me a gift, but not mean that. But like, yes, like, um, can I honor her and, and do that? And if I don't do that and she's able to tell me that, I need to say, I'm sorry for not honoring you. Not, oh, I'm sorry if you felt hurt by, yeah, like that. Well, you're not saying, I'm sorry, but you told me. 
mm. not to get you a gift. Sure. And I'd want to have that conversation before, like, okay, I heard you say this, and if and if she, either I misinterpreted, let's say that I did or something, and and I'm just like, oh, okay, I realize that. Well, I I shouldn't have to because I thought, no, 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 I misunderstood. I need mm-hmm. to own that. Mm-hmm. I need to come in and say, yep, I should have gotten you a gift. I'm really sorry. Like that's that's more of the realm mm-hmm. of of good apology. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It is. Working. And feel it on the heart level that I love my wife, regardless mm-hmm. of her wanting a yes. gift or not. Yep. I, I want to give that to her. Correct. Yes. It's and not her being right or me being wrong right. in this moment. Right. And even if I felt like I was justified in not because she either said something or whatever, like I care more about her. And this is one of those times where it's just like, you know what? You feel hurt. And I'm sorry that 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 I did that. I'm sorry that I contributed to that. That can be true, even if there was some measure of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I care more about her than winning that argument. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So uh, that that's the the mark of good apology. Um, and sometimes it's not always clear to come back to that. Like there may be some things you just kind of like all the right things were said and maybe even the, the right way. There was no ifs, but just didn't seem quite right. Um it mm. is it's it's sometimes hard to tell but if there's that little gut check like okay pay attention to that but i think the real good work will come over time like we talked about change and repentance if you want to know if a, an apology is genuine is there change because of it mm. and i think that's the the great indicator like go go down the road uh several weeks a few months depending on the, the context or the situation and see is there actual change see is there actual fruit from the reconciliation that'll be a great indicator yeah yeah that's Mm -hmm. awesome Mm -hmm. and there's a big part in all this and being on the receiving end of that as well Mm -hmm. and understanding your part in the pieces and all that kind of stuff yes i love how you said that very very rarely is it 100 percent one person's fault Mm -hmm. um and i think one of our best tools in being reconciled is like finding your part in it mm-hmm. and understanding that you did have mm-hmm. a piece of it. Sure. Yep. And, and there are, um, again, a lot of the context in which we're speaking in this series is more like interpersonal kind of everyday, um, relationships and interactions. And there are some that, um, the situation might dictate that it is way more on one side or the other, especially when there's power dynamics and yeah. play and all that abuse, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, so don't, don't translate to one-to-one on some right. of that, but, um, if we can do the good work to be humble and other centered, I think that leads us to say like, Oh yeah, you know, I didn't do that in a helpful way. I'm, I'm sorry for that. Can I, can I work on that with you? And that might just be a sliver of the problem, a 10% kind of thing, but doing that, is removing more challenge, removing more conflict and it is working towards reconciliation. And so, and it helps the other person, I think, step into that alongside of you. So yeah, good, good stuff there. Cool. I'm glad you went through that with me. Yeah. There's a, (laughs) so you kind of started getting into a little bit of the how, which is what's coming down the pipeline for this weekend. That's right. What's some sneak peeks, uh, kind of, what are you, what are you thinking overall that whole outline will kind of look like for Mm -hmm. your sermon? 
So the next two weeks, next two Sundays, we're going to talk about how kinds of things. So now that we've covered why, what, and the, the who, I think that does set us up to receive better the how, the process, the step-by-step or principle kinds of things. So this coming week will probably be pretty content heavy. Uh, so just as a little bit of a warning, if you join us on Sunday and you're sitting in and in, in hearing all this, just be ready that it might be leaning into that. My hope is that everybody would be able to at least take some of the key big ideas or just some like key nuggets that are really helpful for you. I think that's a win, but we're going to lay out some key principles um, that I think help us navigate when it actually comes to having the conversation with somebody. And then we'll revisit Matthew 18. What does it look like for us to go to one another? And what are some of those principles? We're going to be like fairly broad. Like we're going to hopefully hit on some translatable kinds of things, but it won't cover everything. And there might be some things you're wondering about that we just won't hit on, mm-hmm. uh, just for time's sake and scope. Like we just can't, we can't address every possible situation, but hopefully enough that we'll be able to give everybody something that allows them to step forward. So this coming Sunday will be pretty heavy on principles and process. Mm-hmm. The following Sunday after that, we'll keep in the feel of, of how, um, the image I'm kind of playing around with my head, if this actually comes through in the sermon, but kind of the image of this coming Sunday is a map. We're going to, we're going to chart the course. We're going to lay out the map. But then the following Sunday after that, it's like, what is it to actually walk on that path that Mm. the map is showing? Like, what is it like to be the rubber meets the road? Exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. So like, Like Hey, you're walking from point A to point B. Well, it's kind of rocky in this stretch. So know this kind of going in. So we're hoping to give a bit of a, our framework, a feel kind of thing of what is this like to actually walk in this conversation? So that's what's coming. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. I appreciate you just sharing everything. And this has been a great space to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. I know it's been helpful for me just kind of being able to have these conversations. So yeah, please share this podcast with someone today and we'll see you next time. Yep. Have a good one.